India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone this is Rohit Srivastav taking you through all my market insights recording for 9th of January 2021 This is probably my first podcast for the new year and it's an apt time because uh, these months draw a lot of attention we also ahead of what is the new budget schedule for the last couple of years that we've gotten used to after decades of really facing the budget at the end of february we now face it every year at the end of january so it's interesting times and that changes uh, you know the timing of things a little bit it's also that you've seen many many years of you know markets uh, heading into the month of jan in fact when the fi started to invest the entire a cycle shifted that you started getting uh, tops many times in this month all the way back from 2002 then 2004 and so on you had many uh, times markets peak out in fact last year 2020 we actually saw the all time high in the nifty in jan of 2020 itself even though us markets continued to rally higher into february uh, we made actually a lower high at that point of time creating some kind of an intermarket divergence and then of course you had the pandemic that hit everybody around the world now i've just written uh, my latest long shot report so if you have not read that we are following it up with a usual webinar which will be tomorrow morning at 9 am sunday so you just need to you know log in and uh, register for that so just go to india charts insiders if you are already an insider you just register on the uh, long shot strategy update page where we've put the link and if you're not you simply sign up if you're a new user you get the first month free so you just sign up and uh register for the webinar so then you'll be able to attend that tomorrow morning 9:30 am sunday 10th of jan right so that's that's where we are in fact i've discussed uh, seasonality and in a lot of detail for particular assets and uh, specifically important because last night you've seen a lot of volatility in uh, the metals and commodities markets and this is what we've been seeing i think uh, for a while because even a few days back Uh, there was some uh, sell off in that space and then again they picked up and each time there's some news related to the us presidency or movement in the dollar so if there's any you know small move in the dollar index everybody seems to hit hit the panic button and suddenly you get various asset markets jumping all over the place so we saw that again over the last two days not much day before but yesterday as the dollar continued to move higher I've not checked but probably closed above the 20 DMA. I think the euro probably closed below it and that means there's some more upside but I would not really call this a major trend reversal. Too many people are looking at the maximum short position that has built up in the dollar as a sign that you know it's got to uh, you know go into a short covering rally. And they've not been doing this for now. They've been do- saying the same same narrative for almost you know 6 months or something. And that reminds me of what really happens during bull markets and bear markets uh, which are trending in nature. For example, if you go back to the 2008 bear market, you'll find that this one month, I think if I'm not wrong, it's July and August when the market was really falling, that you actually had more put open interest than call open interest, which means people actually bought puts and got paid. You know, and that's the nature of bear markets that well you usually expect the opposite that you know op- option writers are writing the opposite side of the game. and getting it right uh, during a bear market everybody is uh, you know on the same side of the trade and still uh, getting paid and that's the thing that also happened in the precious metals market specifically gold all of last year in fact jan of last year you had record long positions in the gold market you know but it continued to rally into feb and march because the dollar was weak and then of course the pandemic caused the global dollar spike 
and then everything sold off including gold but in that sell off also the positions uh, that you see based on the cftc futures uh, data released by the uh, you know commitment of traders report shows that they remained significantly long they didn't really cut back their positions in a meaningful way there may be some decline but not significant and then eventually gold bounced back the dollar went into a tailspin and gold was back at an all time high in fact uh, yeah all time high going past the high that it made in 2011 so that's what happened and which means the longs got paid even if they got uh, screwed in the short term they eventually got paid and that's the nature of bull markets and similarly the dollar index max short position still falling and that's what it's been like over the last couple of months so everybody trying to call out the dollar for a bottom probably got it wrong i tried looking for a small bounce once and then had to give it up and even now i think uh, there's room for a small bounce sure based on the last two days move maybe the dollar index can go back to 91 uh, that would be the max i would think which is not much it's just another one point up higher from here and then it heads down again is is my thought so i don't don't expect anything more than a 1% move up more from here uh, on the dxy and uh, whatever volatility it causes uh, we've already seen some of it because precious metals sold off overnight uh, but i don't think that changes any of the long term trends is what i'm really trying to highlight and that's how i've changed my own uh, scenario uh, for markets i mean people who would speak to me maybe more than a year back would uh, think that i would be perma bearish you know so people keep asking me why do you keep putting out bearish counts why do you keep marking the nifty as topping out when it continuously goes up and this was the entire phase from you know 2015 onwards in fact even 2013 i initially was doubtful that you'd break through and once you did then after 2015 most of the rallies to me uh, looked like for, uh, you know going into an ending structure and the, the reason really was the broad market you've had non participation from so many sectors of course you had the few doing well which is your defensives so which means pharma fmcg and then uh, fortunately the bfsi space so there's always one space which uh, ends up being the uh, bubble zone or the boom uh, zone of the market and there's a lot to compare in the current phase it's also the 1990s now i'll come back to that again but what i was first trying to highlight is that uh, that was the phase where you know because you had so many sectors and stocks not doing well it was fair to say that you were in a uh, in the market internals were in a bear market even though the nifty was not reflecting it because of flows sentiment or whatever other reason we can associate with that maybe just the boom in particular sector so some of them which were doing well in the defensives managed to drive the indices higher but the entire period has had the slowest advance in the indices that i've seen in probably you know decades of market watching i've been watching them since 1990 uh, more on a direct basis since i turned 18 so it's a long enough period and we've really not seen this slow move because when markets went into a bullish phase say in 2003 or even if you go back to 1990 1991 every bullish rally meant within 6 to 12 months the indices could double that's the speed at which indian markets move now people argue back with me saying oh markets have become mature now they'll never move like that i i never agreed with that fact and if i think about it now i think i am probably proven more right than wrong on that idea because the current year from the low of 7500 now we are less than maybe maybe 500000 points away from seeing the indices really double so here you have the phase back and i'm calling this as a regime change there are multiple regime changes that have happened again we've discussed a lot of that in the long shot report as well so i'm again pushing you to go and read that uh, and uh, this is one of them where you see volatility expansion uh, during a bullish phase so the volatility range usually changes so if you've gotten used to seeing that over markets go up wix comes down to 8 9% you're never going to see 8 9% again for a long period of time because you are in a different 
type of market and as i say all this now people will start thinking why is this guy gone perma bullish i mean he must be crazy the market spe ratio has gone beyond uh, you know 35 or close to 35 on the nifty and this is no level to really be long in equities and it definitely uh, makes me think because i have to question my thesis every day even as a trader in the short term like if you look at the last 10 days every day's movement in the market has been a slight whipsaw it moves up a little bit pulls back moves up a little bit there are these intraday swings we saw it on monday in this week we saw it on wednesday again sharp down swing 100 150 points and then it again comes back and each time makes you think is the market topping out so the market's doing that to us uh, but when you if you're really an analyst you're really looking at multiple indices sectors and trying to take a call on what the market is doing if you're not looking at you know 50 to 100 stocks or a handful of sectors every day and figure out whether the strength is still there and probably not uh, you know diving deep enough into the market action so if you look at bank nifty uh, it was looking stronger than the nifty if you look at the mid cap indices they've actually had uh, 7 8 or 10 days of continuous gains uh, even though you've not really seen those wildfire moves like we saw in probably october so that again on the one side you look at the index you feel well the broad market must be going up and then if i look at a handful of stocks which i am tracking and i don't see them all move you know 5 to 6% a day like they were doing in the early phase of this uh, move then you wonder whether the momentum is really waning or we are you know coming to the uh, end of something so that definitely plays on your mind but if you've gotten used to also using uh, trailing indicators there are enough reasons to simply hang on and wait a little longer in fact if I, if i look at world markets i would actually get uh, no sense of fear uh, as much as everybody's uh, also discusses whether world markets will top out but if you look at asia i mean uh, don't even go to the us which we can endlessly debate uh, although the us also had a very nice consolidation between september and october and broke out of it so why not consider that as a valid breakout if prices trade within the same trading range for two months and then break out on the upside and you want to say it's not a valid breakout and that it's a false breakout and it's going to crash that's like that's a perma bearish mode and in asia we actually see in good retracement so if you go and look at jakarta malaysia thailand all of them seeing somewhere between you know some of them in fact up to 50% retracements of the rally that they saw between march and june or july or august and then after that 50% retracement they started a fresh rally which means it would be like a third wave has actually started in some of these markets and if that is the case it's going to go on for several months and you're really not going to get significant negative trends in many of these places in fact look at brazil uh, another emerging market all time high yesterday you have russia new 52 week high not an all time high yet because uh, unlike brazil which had already broken out of its range when the dollar started its bear market in 2017 russia remained in that broad range and so it's only now attempting to break out of it uh, but that said it's still making new highs on a 52 week basis and that's the strength that we are seeing around the world so when we look at that and uh, you get a sense that this move is not something that's going to end at the drop of a hat you know so it's extending of course there will be corrections that's what we have to work around every time i have to set up and look at where a five wave advance will end and a retracement will happen and those retracements you don't want to you know really miss because sometimes they can be a little deep not huge but a little deep like what we saw between say september and october in fact september in india we i think october we didn't make a new low but september we made a correction losing almost 1000 points and that's the type of thing you ne- uh, really need to be Uh, prepared for from uh, time to time every time you complete a five wave advance will you get a bigger downward swing is something that i can't say up front you have to watch out for those 
and you have to see whether the pattern itself becomes complex which means if you see something like we saw in september that type of correction then it bounces back and only does a retracement then falls again that would amount to a complex correction that lasts for a longer period than just a month or so if it goes into that then of course the case grows for a larger retracement of the uh, entire move but so far to preempt it and to say that's likely to be the you know best case scenario is not what uh, i would start out by saying simply because what you have is a lot of rotation in the market and uh, frankly like i said if i've gone into perma bull mode from a perma bear mode uh, and that's going to last for a couple of years because i don't think you know uh, one mode really ends just because prices moved up too far which means in short i'm saying you're not going back to 7500 a lot of people who've debated this we've had some long twitter debates last week the previous week over the weekend trying to either discuss whether you'll get a sell off or trying to discuss what is the current wave count what are the alternates and a lot of people had different views i to put tried to put out mine i did a long shot video in fact in between also trying to discuss the same issue based on some of the observations which were made highlighting why i think some are right or wrong and what you really need to consider because there can be alternate scenarios but uh, most of them uh, point in the same direction so we are in a world where uh, the emerging markets index has broken out of the trend line of the highs that you draw from say 2010 to 2000 you know 14 15 and that we've gotten past that we are now very very close i think another day or two of gains would mean that the uh, emerging market index you can look up eem on uh, investing.com which is the msci emerging market etf will probably hit an all time high if it gains for another few days that's uh, that's where we really are so we have this massive trend happening across emerging markets and of course india would be uh, one of them which is participating strongly doing so uh, which is why uh, it's not something you can write off when you started something this massive so i'll go back to what i was trying to now refer to in the earlier phase where i was making a comparison with the 1990s so when you get into this uh, bullish phase uh, and how do you really justify Uh, the current uh, market valuation so the market valuation is not just about where the nifty was because there's been a very different behavior of nifty that we have seen this time around compared to what we saw uh, in uh, the previous phase which is between 1992 and the year 2000 you had a very long consolidation phase in the market when uh, the best performing sectors were probably uh, the same which is your defensive sectors fmcg pharma and you had it now it unlike now where it's more considered a defensive sector at least between 2013 to 15 now this year it's of course showing far more growth uh, during that time it was actually a growth high growth sector not even growth i would say it was a high growth sector between 1992 and uh, the year 2000 but the sensex or nifty broadly remained in the same trading range for most of those 7 uh, 8 years except for breaking out in the last uh, quarter or two quarters of the y2k bubble and the reason that happened is that most it stocks were not part of the main indices so when when you compare that with the current phase you actually had a lot of the bfsi stocks in the index in fact the index managers the exchanges were very very proactive in uh, taking a call on changing the indices components from time to time month after month based on what was working what was outperforming and uh, you know where all the participation was and they kept throwing out the weaker stocks that were not participating where the volumes went down or which got caught up in various uh, debt related problems so by doing that they actually allowed the indices to move to a higher plateau 
than where they were probably in 2010. I think that's the big uh, difference between uh, the 1990s and now. So while you've seen broad market weakness sell off in so many stocks that have lost 50 to 90 percent, which got into trouble because of either debt or other uh, business cycle related issues. We saw the same thing even between 1992 and 2000. It's not very different between 2010 to 2020. Uh, the key difference was the non-inclusion of the booming sector and especially the IT sector in the 1990s. And therefore, the index did not really reflect the boom that you had seen in Infosys, Wipro, Satyam and all these stocks which were the main drivers of the growth uh, part of the uh, story and they were actually growing earnings at 100%. Stocks went up in mean, Infosys during the time period from when it got listed in 94 all the way to 2000 would have gone up you know, almost 100 times. So that's the kind of uh, value addition to the market that is completely missed by the indices because uh, Infosys was just not in any of the indices you know, till very, very late stages of the whole thing. In fact, I think uh, included only after the Y2K bubble popped in some of the indices, which is why they broke the starting point of, uh, you know, the boom, which is in 1998, where the indices took off into the final phase of the bubble, uh, which is after the Pokhran bomb blast and the sanctions on India. Uh, that low was not broken by the Nifty, but broken in all the BSE indices, uh, which uh, probably included a lot of the tech names later. And so when they fell more, the indices broke their previous low. Because uh, if you think that the indices are only made up of the uh, mainline brick and mortar stocks, then they sh then they shouldn't have really broken the 1998 low because uh, most of those stocks did not break 1998 lows. Take Reliance, for example, a major large cap. It actually made a higher bottom in 2001 compared to where it was in 1998. Much higher bottom, maybe an 80% retracement because of the bear market, but not a new low. Same with Tata Power, it actually bottomed out midway through the bear market and rallied to the other side. ACC made a higher bottom between 1998 and 2001 and I can go on with, uh, you know, companies like that. Some of them made a near double bottom, some of them made a higher bottom. So there was already a turnaround happening in the core uh, sectors of, uh, you know, the economy while the tech bubble was brewing. And so when that ended, the other sectors were ready to move from a higher high in wave two into wave three, which was the next growth phase, not just for India, but the entire emerging market space. And that emerging market boom was also accompanied by what we are all now recognizing as a falling dollar environment. That falling dollar environment, which is a dollar bear market, lasted from 2001 to 2008, which is seven years. And my sense is that, you know, the dollar actually peaked in 2017 because the spot dollar has not made a new all-time high since 2017. All it did is come to make a near double top in 2020, but not crossing that on a spot basis. The futures, of course, did uh, slightly, but I don't always give uh, the futures that much reference because futures markets go into premium and discount based on uh, demand and supply and so the spot prices are always a better way to do Elliott wave counting and so in that sense I would call uh, what happened in 2020 a double top uh, though uh, many commodities were still in decline during that phase even though the dollar index had started down except for precious metals which had made their bottom in 2015-16 so that's just the long-term rotation something known as intermarket divergence that you see uh, when you're comparing uh, different uh, parts of the markets if you're comparing the dollar and gold or if you're uh, comparing say the INR and rupee something I did a video on a while back that every time the INR and rupee move does it mean that if the INR gets stronger uh, that it's bad for uh, tech stocks 
uh, which is usually not the case. I mean, why are tech stocks going up today if the INR has been getting stronger for the last nine months? Just think about just the recent period. Forget history. It's just because it's nice to write about, you know, because it makes fundamental sense to say, oh, the dollar is stronger. I mean, rupee is stronger and that means the earnings of IT will be affected. It's nice to write those articles, especially when the market actually has a correction in the IT sector and then nicely there'll be some journalists who will, you know, draw that correlation and make sense to you. And most people read it and say, yes, this makes sense. When frankly, if you put the two on a chart, you'll find that uh, they're mostly inversely correlated. And the reason for that is usually a strengthening rupee shows strength in the economy. It means money is flowing into the country, either through portfolio flows or other means. And that money is driving up markets. And if markets are going up, the tech sector is going up. In other words, uh, if the market is going up, the rupee is getting stronger. So the strength of the rupee is never really the reason why the tech sector should be doing better or worse. It's really got to do with demand for tech-related business for whatever reason, whether it's the lockdown or prior to that it was, or whether it was the millennial boom in the 2000s, which caused the Y2K boom. Uh, the entire period between, uh, you know, just go back and look, late 1990s, the rupee was getting stronger. Did that stop Infosys from going up 100 times? The answer is no. So this is a, uh, you know, misnomer. And uh, the rupee, in fact, it peaked uh, in terms of, you know, the USD INR peaked in 2000, I think yeah, around there, 2000, 2001 and started to head down. Same thing has, uh, you know, happened this year. And whenever there are bearish phases, you have, of course, seen the currency weaken. So we've seen it gone to 76 last year when the entire market was falling apart. And so was that bullish for the uh, IT sector? So did the IT sector go up when the market was crashing to 7,500? The answer is no. So it just went down with the rest of the market, which is what typically happens. So usually if there's a positive rub off of a weaker currency, that positive rub off comes only after the market action, which means if the market has fallen and then the correction is done, the rupee is already weakened to a new level where we want it to act as a stimulus. Then the impact of that stimulus comes in even though it is strengthening because after all when it is strengthening it's not going to go back from where it started right so you may have gone from say 58 to 68 and then it'll just come back to 64 you still have the currency gains in place to benefit from this is a different form of devaluation i mean if you went back to the early days devaluing a currency meant the rbi needs to come out and announce the devaluation that was when you were an, under a fixed currency rate regime today they don't need to do that it's done through floating rates. You just allow the currency to fall. And one of the things the RBI has been doing, in fact, has been trying to keep the currency from strengthening, which is uh, very, very amusing because in a dollar by market, when most world currencies are strengthening, they're actually coming in and stopping the USD INR from getting stronger, which is why even though markets are making new highs every day since September, the USD INR has still not fallen below the low it made in September. And that's, that's crazy because we are sort of seeing the currency pair outperform the uh, equity market and in fact the entire currency basket of, around the world because uh, we are not allowing it to strengthen because uh, the RBI is really stepping in buying all the dollars and allowing its balance sheet to really expand in terms of uh, the amount of dollars that is reserves of dollars that it holds. Should it be doing that? That's a completely, you know, uh, different debate. I don't know whether they should be doing that or shouldn't be doing that. I'm more interested in knowing what is their intent. And the intent, I think, of the RBI so far has been to keep uh, monetary conditions easy. Uh, will they change that policy? Uh, there was a small pointer to it uh, from one of my friends today that, you know, RBI is uh, starting to do some reverse repos, try to reduce the liquidity in the market, which may, you know, push uh, short term yields a little bit. 
but i'm still not sure whether it's an indication of change in uh, policy stance because so far the rbi has simply been saying well inflation is high otherwise we'll cut rates and expectations were pretty much built up that you know by most economists or most uh, people who appeared in the media post any of the rbi meets in the last 6 months uh, all the uh, analysts or you know managers came out saying that uh, the second half of the year uh, financial year will actually see interest rate cuts from the rbi that is purely based on expectations that inflation would come under control but we are still not seeing inflation data stabilize for rbi to really go out and cut rates and now as we head into the budget the thing to watch out for from this budget is going to be what the government is really to, going to be doing on the spending side how much more are they going to spend how much more support does rbi really need to provide to the government to be able to borrow and spend more which is in the form of cutting rates and if they are not able to do that right now then probably the government won't spend that much more either now remember that you know we often think that all the reforms need to come in the budget but history of uh, you know indian reforms over last many years has become that all the reforms are usually, usually out of the budget because even the finance ministers over time believe that you know budget is just a statement of account and that's not the place you're going to be announcing the reform so if you're really expecting any new reform announcements expect them either after the budget maybe one month later but uh, what you really expect from the budget is how much they're going to spend where they are on the spending plans what will be the impact on the fiscal deficit and how will it impact interest rates i think that's the net takeaway and even if the government has to spend beyond what they announce in the budget i think they'll first probably have to wait for the rbi's policy on interest rates to change which means uh, their ability to really continue bringing down interest rates moment they're able to do that that's when i think the government will become more confident of doing another stimulus or some kind of spending plan in the meantime they will depend upon uh, the various structures they've already discussed and you know put out last year to create an infrastructure fund to create a new uh, development bank you know all of that which they've announced which need to borrow money and start investing it i think those institutions are key and also lastly well, what is most important is that they go ahead with the psu divestment plan which was a really good one they made it so loud and clear in may that they would differentiate between those uh, psu companies or public sector undertakings which were you know critical to uh, to the nation and those would be held on to and everything else would be divested and you know uh, let go and if that's really a big plan i mean it sounded huge they should have actually been moving full speed into it so far we haven't had any major divestment yet 6 months later which has been the issue forever where uh, every year we hear about announcements related to disinvestment but nothing really happens and it's a big way the government can really fund its budget and so the faster it moves on that plan uh, you know doing away with uh, corporates businesses that they own that are uh, no more critical or of national interest that should really be you know given away uh, divested and unlocked uh, such that uh, they can partly finance the upcoming ex- expenditures that they really have and then after that they could probably you know depend on the rbi to continue their uh, rate cutting cycle So in the short term I still remain bullish on the nifty I think there's room for it to continue to stretch probably to 14600 or more and uh, while that is happening we also remain watchful to the short term momentum because of course this is moving up uh, pretty rapidly and at some point of time you start worrying about whether there'll be a correction so the worry comes every day but I have tools and indicators that I need to watch and make sure that you know uh, is that really the case so a uh, moment we see that weakness in momentum or a change in trend that's when we would probably at least take a halt on the trading view 
uh, for the upside. But right now, it doesn't look like there's any indication of that as far as momentum indicators are concerned. Or the, you know, simple Dow theory, higher highs and higher lows is what we are really seeing on any of the indices that we are watching. And those trends have not really changed. So there's no reason to change your view in the short term. But be watchful for any potential trend change that happens over the coming weeks as we head into the Union Budget 2021. So I look forward to catching up with all of you on my live session webinar tomorrow morning. And that's all for today. Thank you. Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge. Mm-hmm.